Section 1B Aviation and Operations in World War I 1.6 Air Power in World War I The Allies, often referred to as Entente Powers, initially consisted of three entities in 1907 the French Republic, the British Empire, and the Russian Empire. Eventually, Italy and Japan joined the side of the Entente, as well as Belgium, Serbia, Greece, Montenegro, and Romania. The Central Powers on the opposing side, often referred to as the Quadruple Alliance, included the German Empire, Austria-Hungary, the Ottoman Empire, and the Kingdom of Bulgaria. The lines were drawn by the time World War I began in July 1914, just days after Archduke Franz Ferdinand of Austria was assassinated by Yugoslav forces in Sarajevo. When the first shots of the Great War were fired in Europe, the 1st Aero Squadron mustered a dozen officers, 54 enlisted men, and six aircraft. By 1916, a second squadron and new training facilities were added with plans for 24 more squadrons with a dozen aircraft each. All 24 squadrons were formed by early 1917, but only the 1st Aero Squadron was fully equipped, manned, and organized when the United States declared war on Germany on 6 April 1917. The U.S. Army Aviation Section inventory included less than 250 airplanes and consisted of 131 officers, virtually all pilots or pilots in training, and 1,087 enlisted men. Tradition dictated that pilots were drawn from the ranks of commissioned officers, but the Aviation Section realized the pressing need for trained enlisted personnel to perform duties in supply and construction and to serve specialized functions in the emerging aviation-related fields of photo reconnaissance, communication, armament, welding, rigging, sailmaking, and most of all, mechanics. By November 1918, billions of dollars were spent, and over 70 million lives were lost. Battles ensued with victories and defeats of what some refer to as devastation, while others refer to as a revolutionary approach to military power. 1.7. The First Air War. Aircraft and aerial warfare evolved during World War I between 1914 and 1918. Observation, artillery spotting, and reconnaissance emerged as the airplane's most important wartime missions. By 1915, pursuit aircraft were developed to deny the enemy use of airspace, while flying missions evolved from information gathering to defense. Using handguns to take down enemy aircraft left much to be desired. One of the most remarkable advancements in aviation technology was the arming of aircraft with machine guns that fired between the propeller blades. Using the deflector blade concept, French pilot Roland Garros attached steel plates to the propeller of his Moraine Saulnier Type L monoplane, enabling him to fire through the propeller arc of his aircraft. This innovative process enabled Garros to achieve the first aerial victory in history. Note. When engine trouble forced Garros to land behind enemy lines on 19 April 1915, the Germans captured him as a prisoner of war, but also studied the innovative concepts on his aircraft and created the first true fighter plane, the Fokker Eindecker, which was used ferociously on Allied aircraft. Flying Aces The concept of the ace emerged in 1915 during World War I at the same time as aerial dogfighting. A flying ace or ace is a military aviator credited with shooting down multiple enemy aircraft during aerial combat. Initially, five or more aerial victories were required to be considered an ace, 
but that number varies throughout history. Public sentiment for the ace was based on a sense of pride and patriotism for war heroes in the skies. Allies and adversaries alike publicized aces to foster public support for the war effort. While aces are generally thought of exclusively as fighter pilots, enlisted aviators also earn the coveted title. Aerial gunners and observers, for example, were often referred to as aces for executing air-to-air -air victories on the enemy. Ace of Aces Edward V. Rickenbacker Captain Edward V. Fast Eddie Rickenbacker served in the U.S. Army Air Service from 1917 to 1919 and has been highly regarded as the most successful fighter ace in World War I. With 26 confirmed aerial victories, Rickenbacker became known as America's Ace of Aces and held the American record for victories until World War II. He is considered to have received the most awards for valor, received the Distinguished Service Cross a record of eight times, and in 1930, one of his service crosses was converted to the Medal of Honor. The Lafayette Escadrille As early as 1915, Americans flew in the European War, both with the French and the British, though it was the American-manned Lafayette Escadrille of France that earned the greatest and most enduring fame. Named in honor of Marquis de Lafayette, hero of the two worlds, the French Air Service established the Lafayette Escadrille in 1916. In 1918, American members of the Lafayette Escadrille transferred into the U.S. Army Air Service as the 103D Aero Squadron while the French formed the Escadrille Jean d'Arc. First African-American military pilot, Eugene Boulard. Corporal Eugene Boulard is one of the very few enlisted Americans to fly in the war and the first African-American military pilot. Boulard enlisted in 1914 and was assigned to the 3rd Marching Regiment of the Foreign Legion. In World War I, Boulard flew as a machine gunner and served in over 20 air combat missions. As a member of the French Foreign Legion, he was awarded the French Croix de Guerre. He was wounded four times before the Legion gave him a disability discharge. During his convalescence in Paris, he bet an American $2,000 that he could learn to fly and become a combat aviator. Corporal Boulard won the bet by completing training and joining the Lafayette Escadrille, referred to as the Black Swallow of Death. He claimed two victories. 1.8 Division of Military Aeronautics, 20th of May 1918 to the 24th of May 1918. On 20 May 1918, President Wilson issued an executive order that transferred Army Aviation Control from the Signal Corps to the Secretary of War. This four-day transition existed long enough for the reorganization to take place and officially transfer recognition of responsibilities of Aviation Administration, assets, and personnel from the Division of Military Aeronautics to the Air Service. 1.9 Air Service, U.S. Army, 24th of May 1918 to the 2nd of July 1926. The U.S. Army Air Service was established in 1918 as a temporary branch of the U.S. War Department and was faced with budget cutbacks and resistance to establishing an independent air force. A drawdown was enacted in 1918 that called for a reduction in air service personnel from 190,000 to fewer than 20,000. Likewise, the $460 million allocated for military aviation in 1919 fell to $25 million in 1920. Another challenge came about when Congress demanded that new military aircraft use the surplus Liberty engines produced during the World War I buildup. Consequently, World War I vintage Curtis JN-3 Jennies and Liberty DH-4 bombers remained in service until the 1930s. 
despite technological advances that had been made in airframe and engine design. Father of the U.S. Air Force, William Mitchell. After enlisting, joining the aviation section of the Signal Corps, and taking private flying lessons, William Billy Mitchell earned his private pilot's license. He was convinced of air power's potential as the primary component of national defense against strategic bombardment and was a strong advocate for an independent air force. Mitchell's claims ultimately led to bombing trials in June 1921. Under his leadership, the 1st Provisional Air Brigade sank the 27,000-ton former German battleship Ostfriesland. Officials turned over two World War I battleships for further testing, the USS New Jersey and the USS Virginia, to punctuate the values of air power. At the age of 32, Captain Mitchell was the youngest member to join the general staff. For his efforts, Mitchell earned the Distinguished Service Cross, the Distinguished Service Medal, the World War I Victory Medal with eight campaign clasps, and several foreign decorations. Mitchell also received many honors following his death, including a commission by President Franklin D. Roosevelt as Major General Mitchell. Note, in 1924, Mitchell developed a 324-page report that predicted a future war with Japan, including the attack on Pearl Harbor. Mitchell believed a surprise attack on the Hawaiian Islands would be conducted by land-based aircraft operating from islands in the Pacific. His report was published as the book Wing Defense in 1925, about 16 years prior to the attack on Pearl Harbor by Japan in 1941. Demonstration of Air Power Ulysses Nero A young bombardier, Sergeant Ulysses Sam Nero, was selected to demonstrate the capabilities of air power. Against established tactics, during the demonstration, Nero and the Martin Curtis MBS-1 pilot approached the USS New Jersey at 85 miles per hour at an altitude of 6,900 feet from about 15 degrees off the port beam. They scored two hits and the USS New Jersey went down in just over three minutes. Having one bomb left, Nero's aircraft proceeded to the floundering USS Virginia to administer the coup de grace on the stricken craft. The shot landed directly on the Virginia's deck, putting it out of commission permanently. General Mitchell disqualified Nero and his pilot from further competition for disobeying instructions, but he reconsidered when the rest of the crews failed to hit the U.S. Virginia unless they dropped down to 1,500 feet. Nero was promoted during the next cycle. Note, the NBS in Martin Curtis NBS-1 is an abbreviation for Night Bomber Short Range. End of the Enlisted Pilot Era and George H. Holmes George H. Holmes served in the Navy during World War I, after the war, he enlisted in the Army in 1919 as a mechanic. In 1921, Holmes became a pilot flying the Curtis JN-4D Jenny and other aircraft. When World War II ended, Lieutenant Colonel Holmes chose to revert back to his enlisted rank. Ending the era of enlisted pilots, Master Sergeant George H. Holmes was the last of about 2,500 men who graduated from enlisted pilot training. When he retired from the Air Force in 1957, he was the last of the enlisted pilots. World War I Armistice Air power clearly played an important role in the Allied victory of World War I. As of the armistice on 11 November 1918, observation, reconnaissance, and artillery spotting remained significant missions, but close air support, interdiction, and the strategic bombardment showed promise in the progress of air power. Armistice Day must best be known as the signing of an agreement to end the war in the 11th hour, on the 11th day, of the 11th month. 
Some war memorials date the end of the war as being when the Versailles Treaty was signed in 1919, and many of the troops serving abroad finally returned to their home countries. In the United States, Armistice is publicly recognized on Veterans Day in honor of military veterans. 1.10 U.S. Army Air Corps, 2nd of July, 1926 to the 20th of June, 1941. The U.S. Army Air Corps was established as a step toward recognizing the autonomy of aviation and its role in modern warfare. During this time, aviation was still a part of the U.S. Army command structure. Meanwhile, the Air Corps Tactical School and Air Corps Technical School evolved under the U.S. Army Air Corps. Air Corps Tactical School Through a brief series of changes, in 1926 the Air Service Tactical School, designed for military officer professional development, was renamed the Air Corps Tactical School. Eventually, the Air Corps Tactical School was relocated to Maxwell Field, Alabama, where it was later replaced as the Army Air Force School of Applied Tactics. The school is now recognized as the Air University and remains on Maxwell Air Force Base, Alabama. Air Corps Technical School In 1926, the Air Corps Technical School was established at Chanute Field, Illinois. While other branches of the Army returned to the apprentice system of assignment and training, the Army Air Corps continued to use and develop a combination of the Army Alpha Test, Reading and Writing Assessment, Aptitude Tests, and Counseling. At the Technical School, students participated in a range of experimental work, including altitude flights, blind flying, aerial photography, cosmic ray research, and the development of the parachute. Enlisted men who wanted to apply for technical training had to qualify as high school graduates, or the equivalent, and pass a mathematics proficiency test in addition to the Army Alpha Test. A trade test specialist familiar with the actual work personally interviewed each enlisted man. By 1938, the technical school branched out to Lowry Field, Colorado and Scott Field, Illinois. Aerial Refueling and Carl A. Spatz General Carl A. Tui Spatz first Chief of Staff of the Air Force, was a member of the Fokker C-2 aircrew that launched the legendary question mark mission on 1 January 1929 to showcase aerial refueling potential. The mission was simple, determine how long the aircrew could keep the aircraft in the air. The crew flew the question mark for 150 hours and 40 minutes, taking on 5,600 gallons of hand-pumped fuel during 37 air-to-air -air refuelings. They traveled 11,000 miles on that journey proving the relatively unlimited range available with air refueling capabilities. Operation Point Blank and Ira C. Eaker General Ira C. Eaker was an aviation pioneer and articulate advocate of aerospace power. Commissioned in the Army Reserve after graduating flight school, he participated in the Pan-American Goodwill Flight of 1926 and 1927, which is displayed at the National Museum of the U.S. Air Force in Dayton, Ohio. Eaker also flew in the legendary question mark extended aerial refueling mission in 1929. As a strong advocate for daylight strategic bombardment, during Operation Point Blank, Eaker directed the daylight campaigns while the British conducted their night area bombing. The co-led operation struck the German military and industrial base of Nazi-occupied territories around the clock, exhausting German strength as well as its production capabilities. 1.11 General Headquarters Air Force, 1935 to 1939. Alongside the Army Air Corps, General Headquarters Air Force was set up to focus primarily on control of aviation combat units. While still being aligned under the Army Air Corps, 
this was a confusing half-step toward an independent air force, but proved to be the right direction for the conception of air power. General Headquarters Air Force was established with the recognition that technological advances in aircraft would eventually propel air power forward as a significant military force, beyond its early role of solely supporting ground troops. In 1938, when the United States first took the signs of war in Europe seriously, the Army's air arm was still split into two cumbersome command organizations, the Army Air Corps and General Headquarters Air Force. In 1939, President Roosevelt asked for an appropriation of $300 million for military aviation. Before the outbreak of hostilities in Europe in the fall of 1939, General Headquarters Air Force had begun the massive expansion program that eventually evolved into the largest air organization in the nation's history. 1.12 U.S. Army Air Forces, 20th of June, 1941, to the 17th of September, 1947. The U.S. Army Air Forces was established in June 1941. It replaced both the U.S. Army Air Corps and the General Headquarters Air Force. Although still under command of the Army, the message was clear. Unify command of all air elements, give total autonomy to air forces, and provide equality separate from ground forces. The U.S. Army Air Forces continued to exist as a branch of the Army, similar to the infantry, quartermaster, or artillery, until reorganization provisions of the National Security Act of 1947. Commanding General of the U.S. Army Air Forces, Henry H. Arnold. General Henry H. Hap Arnold was an aviation pioneer, a West Point graduate, and an infantryman. In 1911, he was taught to fly by Orville and Wilbur Wright. Arnold began his rise to the Army Air Corps during the interwar years, serving in Air Service Headquarters and in several of the most important operational flying commands in the field. After serving two years as the Chief of the Air Corps, in June 1941, he became Commanding General of the U.S. Army Air Forces in World War II. Under General Arnold's command, the force expanded to nearly 2.5 million members and 75,000 aircraft.